0: The Pasuk in this week's parsha says This is a conversation that's happening between Eliezer and Lavan because Eliezer went to find a wife for Yitzchak and he says, I said to my master meaning I said to who? To Avram Avinu Perhaps the woman won't come with me. Meaning, let's say I find the woman and the woman com- won't come with me. I imagine many of you are familiar with this Rashi, but I'm going to read the Rashi anyway. It's a beautiful Rashi. Uli So Rashi points out that it says, It could be ulai siv, right? It could be meaning it could also be eli. What does that mean? Bas haisaloli aliezer. Eliezer had a, meaning, I'm sorry, Ulai was written without a Vav, I should have explained that. Ulai was written without a Vav, so that it could be written Eli to me. But Why? Bas haisaloli Eliezer. Because Eliezer had a daughter. You, you know this, right? You've learned this before. So Avram b'ni baruch v'ata arer V'ein arer medabek b'baruch. So Eliezer was looking for some sort of pretext that Avram would say to him, why don't we marry Yitzchak to your daughter? But Avram said a very strange thing, something that's bothered me for years. He said, my son Yitzchak is Baruch. And you, Eliezer, as a descendant of Canaan, you are Arur, you're cursed. And blessed and cursed cannot marry each other. And that doesn't sound like Avram Avinu, no? Like to say to somebody, you can't marry my daughter because you're cursed. Or so you can't marry my son because you're cursed and I'm blessed. It just doesn't sound like a Jewish thing to say. It's not nice. And anyway, what does it even mean? You know, Avram Avinu came from Terach, one of the greatest idolaters in the world. Since when do we look at somebody and say, oh, well, since that kid came from this family, so then we don't marry off. If that was the case, we would have married each other. The whole world was idolatrous. So what in the world is Avram Avinu saying? My son is blessed, and because you come from Canaan, you're cursed, and they can't marry each other? What does that mean? But aside from that, there's another problem. Because if you look, only eight psukim earlier, this is what Lavan says to Eliezer he said to him "Come," referring to Eliezer you who are blessed of Hashem why should you stand outside I cleared out the house and I have a place for your camels so eight psukim earlier what does Lavan say to Eliezer you're not cursed you're blessed you understand what's happening here Eight psukim later, Eliezer reveals to Lavan that the reason I didn't marry my daughter to Avram Avinu is because Yitzchak is blessed and I'm cursed. But eight psukim earlier, before that, what does Lavan call Eliezer? He calls him, you are literally bruch Hashem, you're blessed of the Lord. So what in the world is going on over here? And not only that, listen to what the Medrash says. The Medrish picks up on the fact that Eliezer said... I'm sorry that Lavan said that Eliezer was blessed, and the Medrash says those weren't. It wasn't Lavan speaking; it was Hashem speaking through Lavan, telling Eliezer, "You are blessed of Hashem. You're bruch Hashem." It's a wild thing. You hear what's going on here? It's an absolutely wild thing. First of all, we don't know what "blessed" and "cursed" means. But whatever it means, I, I when did what changed? Avram Avinu tells Eliezer, "You're cursed." And now we find out that Eliezer isn't cursed, he's blessed. Which one is it? Is he cursed or is he blessed? Or maybe he was cursed and now something changed along the way and somehow he became blessed? You understand the question? Anyone? Everyone? I'll say it one more time just to make sure everyone gets it. Originally in the conversation with Avram Avinu, what did Avram say to Eliezer? You're cursed. Now we don't know what that means and it doesn't sound right to us. But now what do we learn? That Hashem, speaking through Lavan, tells Eliezer, you are blessed. So does that mean Avram Avinu was wrong? Is he cursed or is he blessed? If Hashem sends a message to Eliezer, you're blessed, it must mean that he's blessed. If he's blessed, then why in the world did Avram Avinu tell him that he's cursed? Maybe Avram Avinu was telling him that he was cursed and something changed and along the way he became blessed. But if that's the case, what should be our question? What changed? what changed? Everyone got this? Okay. So I want to share with you something very deep, very powerful, and something that I just learned it today for the first time. And I want to share it with you. This is not my idea. Everything that I'm about to share with you comes from Rav Lapiansky. Have you girls heard of Rav Lapianski? is one of the great Rashi Yeshiva of the generation. He lives in Silver Spring, Maryland. He's one of the deepest thinkers. He's a very special person. You know Rav Lapiansky? Isn't he an amazing person? So what I'm sharing with you now is not mine. None of this belongs to Mordechai Berg. This is Rav Lapiansky's Torah, but I'm privileged to be able to share it with you. And for you, this will be a taste of home. Listen to what Rav Lapiansky says, because it's so deep. When you say that something is blessed, it means that something that you put in brings out a lot more than was put in. When you say that something was cursed, it means it only produces that which was put in. So explain what this means, okay? Yeah, if you say that something is blessed, this is deep, it's hard to understand because I haven't unpacked it yet. But if you say that something is blessed, it means I put something in, and what came out of that was way more than I put in. Cursed means I put something in, and what I did is I took out that which was put in. But nothing more came. There's no abundance that comes from it. Okay, so let's unpack what this means. Let's try to understand it. Everything in the world is really just in a state of being reorganized. You ever think about it that way? Nothing in this world is ever really created. Like, for example, this stender What is this ständer real like, really? It's wood, and originally this wood was something else. And then a carpenter came. And he took that wood, and he sanded it down, and he shaped it, and he put it on something else, right? But all you're really doing in this world, you're not creating it. What are you really doing? You're just repurposing it. You took wood from here, metal from here, you molded the metal, you shaped the wood, you put the metal on the wood, boom, you have a shtender. Does that make sense? Tell me, is there anything in the world that's really created, or is everything in the world just really shaped? There's nothing that's really created, right? Everything that exists is just molded to become something else. Nothing is really created, right? You take you take a house, right? What's the house made of? The house is made of wood. So what is a house basically? It's just a repurposed tree. You never really think about it that way, but that's what it is. You're not the creator of the house. You didn't invent the house, right? You put things together in a particular way that this is what it became. Yeah, the tree was just created. Ah, so there's a difference between the tree that was created from something bigger than me. right? I can't create a tree. God can create a tree. But what can I do? I can manipulate that tree into being something that I could use. I'm not the creator of the house, but the tree, very well said, is a creation. Does that make sense? Right. Everything is just repurposed something else, right? That's the nature of DNA. The DNA came from somewhere. The DNA grows into something else. Okay. Well, sure it is. The baby didn't appear out of thin air. right? The baby was born of the, of the mother and the father and that union, and the, that material grows into a child. right? It's what already exists. It's not new. Taking a tree and making it a table, there's nothing new there. But taking a seed, putting one seed in the ground, this is a bad example, but it's going to work out. You'll see. And you're going to call me out on it because you're smart, but just stay with me for a second. You put the seed in the ground. What comes forth from that seed? Not just one tree. You put one seed in the ground, right? And so, again, it could be, right, that that one seed could produce ridiculous amounts of apples. That's called blessing. There's something that comes from beyond that gives it more than it had to begin with. I'll give you an example of this. Um, You know how sometimes somebody could start a business and the business kind of just does what the business does? That would be called cursed, right? You put, not cursed like it's bad. Cursed means it's it's limited to what it is. I started a business. The business was designed to make $10,000 a month and the business made $10,000 a month. What would it look like to be blessed? Blessed means I started a business that was designed to make $10,000 a month and it made $700,000 in its first month. You ever ever see something like that? You ever see something that you made a vessel that was only supposed to be this big, but all of a sudden it got massive? I'll give you an example of this. Let's say, and I'm thinking of a specific case, so I'm not going to give too many details, but let's say a dear friend of mine, this is true, started a store. That store, he started it with the intention that it was going to be like a summer job that he had he was starting a store up in the mountains like a restaurant style store it was up in the mountains in new york and that store i don't want to say which one that store was designed to be one store and he became an expert i'll tell you what it is it's a sushi store okay and he became i'm sure that many of you are aware of this sushi store especially for those of you that are from new york it's called simply sushi you ever hear of simply sushi yeah. Simply Sushi is a massive sushi chain today. He started one store. The store did so well that somebody came to him and said, we want you to open up Simply Sushi in our grocery store. You're going to be the provider of our sushi. He now has over 20 stores. Do you understand the markup on sushi? <laughs> it's rice and a little bit of salmon for $15 a roll if you just like put a little bit of weird stuff on top of it. Something that was designed to make this... Because it was baruch, because it was blessed, it went from being this to being this. Does that make sense? When we say we want to be blessed, what does that mean? I want to have a blessed life. What does that word mean? Everyone in this room wants to have a blessed life. It means we want that the vessel that we make should become so full that it should be almost full from beyond. Like it should get more than it's actually designed to take. Like, I'll give you an example of this. How much happiness do you want in your marriage? Like how much blessing? We'll use that, I forget happiness. How much blessing do you want in your marriage? You want more than you. I want more than I expect, right? Because I know that what ma- I know what marriage could be, right? That makes sense. I know what marriage could be, right? Marriage could be really nice. But what if somebody came along and said, you seem to have a blessed marriage? What does that mean? It means. Your husband goes above and beyond. It means you've been blessed with more children, and better children, well-behaved children, right? children that are creative and, pro, you know, and like deep and profound. You've been blessed with so much more. To be blessed is to recognize that something's coming from beyond. right? To be cursed is to be limited to reality. It's just wood becoming a table. It can't become anything more than a table. That's called cursed. That's what Lapiansky says. What's the secret to blessing? This is the thing I wanted to share with you tonight. This is like why I got so excited to teach this tonight. Listen to what the pasuk in Mishlei says. This is—it's an unbelievable secret that Rav Piansky revealed. It's amazing. For those that are with me right now, you're about to learn an amazing secret. The pasuk says, "Ish emunos rav brachos." A person of emuna, a person who has—we'll call it trustworthiness—is a person of blessing. What in the world does that mean? Ish emunos, a person who is trustworthy, rav brachos, gets a tremendous amount of blessing in their life. Which means as follows. If you have, stay with me, if you have integrity, that means that you have a massive amount of blessing in your life. Before I even explain it, is anyone here like say like naturally that kind of makes sense? Like, you ever meet someone who has tremendous integrity and somehow they have, like, abundant blessings in their life? I just want, before we even unpack it, do you know people who have so much integrity that you can't imagine them lying? You have somebody in your head right now who's like, I know that, like, this person would... Not, I'm not even saying that they would never do the wrong thing, but that they would never betray. You have somebody in your life like that, like, that if you told them a secret, you know it's going nowhere? How is a Jewish secret told? One person at a time, right? right? You know, you tell someone a secret and they go like this. They go like, you go, don't tell anyone. And what does that next person do? Like, okay, you can't tell anyone because then they're, they're going to know that it comes from me. So don't tell anyone but this. And what does that next person do? Okay, you can't tell anyone because I'm the only one that this person told and they were only told on the condition that they don't tell me but this. It's, it, it lacks trustworthiness. It lacks integrity. You know, when my, uh, when my daughter got engaged to my son-in-law, so a lot of his friends came to the L'chaim, and they have a beautiful minig here in Eretz Yisrael and some of the yeshivas, that before the boys leave the L'chaim, they line up in front, of the, in front of the girl's father, and they each say one thing, but it's like well-crafted. It's not like just a random thing. They each say one thing to the father that's amazing about the chassim. So I didn't know that they do this, it was my oldest daughter. So on the night of the L'chaim, as they're leaving, they all lined up in front of me, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And each one of them came and said, I wanna tell you something about your new son-in-law. And each one said amazing things, but I wanna tell you one of the things that one of the boys said. He said, your son-in-law is the type of person that if I told him a secret, I know that he wouldn't tell anyone. That's, a, that's an awesome thing, by the way, to hear as a father-in-law, right? Because what, what does that mean, my daughter's marrying? She's marrying a person of integrity. When you meet people who have integrity, we haven't explained why yet, but when you meet people of integrity, somehow you get the sense that they're just this vessel to receive so much abundant blessings in their life. It doesn't necessarily mean materialistically, right? It doesn't mean that they're wealthier than everybody else. But it just might mean that if you look at their life, things are sort of going well, right? Like... Somehow, I'll say it like um, on the man side of things, because I'm a male, yeah? Somehow, when you meet a man of integrity, you know that his wife has great respect for him, and she treats him amazingly. Somehow, if you meet a man with great integrity, you just know that his kids respect him, and there's just so much coming into his life by way of, like, love and respect and dignity, right? It's just like he's a magnet for it. I'm sure you've met, have you ever had a teacher who had tremendous integrity? And you just somehow see, it's not that they're the most popular, but there just seems to be this gravitational orbit around them. Integrity and trustworthiness are very, very, very powerful tools. And it brings what's called an abundance of blessings into life. Now, why is that? So sort Ravlapiansky of compared it to a pipe. You know, if you have a really good pipe, the water that goes through the pipe doesn't get absorbed by the pipe. And so what happens? Let's say I'm taking water from point A to point B. right? So the water comes through the pipe. If it doesn't get absorbed by the pipe, because it's a really good pipe, what comes out on the other end? All the water. But what happens if you have old, decrepit pipes that are soaking up the water? What happens on the other end? What happens is the water doesn't really come through in an effective way. It gets absorbed by the pipes. Here's the, here's the catch. This is how Rav Lapiansky explains it, and it's brilliant. I hope you're able to get this, because if you get this, it changes your life. This is literally a life-changing idea. That's why I was so excited to teach it. I saw that this afternoon. I said, I have to teach this to the girls in Sharfman's tonight. When you meet someone who lacks integrity, basically what they are is they're takers, right? Because that's what it means to lack integrity. You shared a secret with, some, with someone, Right? And they lacked integrity, so it didn't flow through them. What did they do? It got absorbed by them. Right? And now what are they? They're takers. They're selfish. And now they're like, ooh, this is a juicy piece of gossip. How could I use it for myself? I'm going to tell that other person, right? which is going to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves because that girl did something that she wants private. right? So because it became about you, because you were selfish in a certain way, You've diminished yourself. A person who acts with integrity, it's never about them. It's always about the other person. So if somebody tells you a secret and you're a person of integrity, what do you do with that secret? It's not about me. It's about the girl that told me that secret. And what does she want me to do with that secret? She doesn't want me to tell anybody. So I won't. So what type of vessel are you? You're a clean vessel. So a massive amount of bracha can come into your life Because what you are is an integrity person. It's not about you, it's about someone else. Does this make sense to you? Right? Let's start thinking, this might sound a little uncomfortable, but let's start thinking about places in your life where you lack integrity and places in your life where you have integrity. I'll give you an example of this, yeah? If you do something against the rules, right, are you being a person of integrity? Right, so let's play it out. Rabbi Sharfman, not Sharfman's, not Rabbi Sharfman. Rabbi Sharfman has a rule, yeah, and you say, no, I want to do what I want to do. Do you see why that lacks integrity? Because who did you make it about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know that he has a rule, but this is what I want to do, right? Let's say I'm just making this up. Let's say a madrichah says, I, I'm just making this up. If you are on your phones during class, I'm going to mark you absent, right? So you go, okay, and then you're just on your phone anyway, right? So what are you really saying? You're really saying, yeah, but I want to do what I want to do. What's the value? I'm defending you here, yeah? What's the value? I'm being serious. What's the value in saying, forget, forget covered for the Rebbe, What's the value in saying I'm not going to have my phone out during shir? What type of person are you if you say that? You're an integrity person because if this is the rule and I'm following the rule, then I'm saying something about myself. You understand? Now, could you get away with it? Yeah. Of course you can, right? Of course you can get away with it. It's like um, in yeshiva sometimes you see these guys and they're like not supposed to have their phones out, but they do this move. You know this move? Can you see this? Where they go like this? Yeah. It's like a very strange thing to do. And, and I, I want you to know, I always, like as a, just as like a human being with eyes, if I'm watching you do this, because in my life, I've never seen anybody do this before. If I'm watching you do this, <laughs> right, what do you think I think you're doing? Like, What's your best case scenario? But let's say you get away with it. Let's say you get away with it, right? Let's say I don't notice. But what happened? Did you get away with it, really, or not? Yeah. Well, You got away with it in the sense that you might not get marked absent but what you did is you diminished yourself you diminished your vessel you're no longer a pipe to to bring that abundance of bracha into your world because you're a person who absorbs you're not a person who things run through it's a selfish thing right it becomes about you where did this start who was the first person in the history of the world to be Aror and not to be Baruch. Somebody who was selfish and not somebody... What was that? But not really, because the first person who was cursed in the world is Canaan. The first person who was cursed in the world was Canaan. Where do we see this from? So listen to what the Pasuk says. Vayomer Aror canaan. canaan. was the grandson of Noach. The Pasuk says Vayomer Aror Canaan. Canaan is cursed. Eved avadim la'echov. He will be a slave... To his brothers, what's the story? How did he become cursed? We only have a couple minutes left, so listen carefully. Listen what Rashi says. garamtali Olid ben Revi acher What happened? Noah. I don't know if you girls know this, but Noach had three children, Shem, Cham, and Yafes, but he wanted to have a fourth. But Chazal tell us that Canaan. I'm going to say this in a Lashonaki, try to understand what I'm saying. Canaan made it impossible for Noah to have any more children. He did something, he made it impossible for Noach to have any more children. Why did he do that? So listen what Rashi says. What was that? Canaan did something to Noah. He attacked him in a certain way. It made it impossible for him to have more children. No, Ham is Canaan's father. Okay? But listen what he did I'm sorry, Canaan It could be that it was Ham But Canaan did something that made it impossible For Noach to have children Okay So what did he do So Rashi explains shesarsu, What did Ham see That he attacked Noach in this way Amr He said to his brothers Adam Harishon Shnei banim hayulo Adam Harishon had two children the yerusha and cain killed hevel in order that he should be able to inherit the entire world yeah that's why cain killed hevel because he said otherwise i got to split the world in two and he said i want the entire world so cain killed hevel the aviv and our father Yeshlo gimoh our father has 3 children the odenum avakesh ben and he still desires to have a fourth son So you know what Canaan said? You know what Ham said? They said, Noah is being unreasonable. So they attacked him in a way, listen, they attacked him in a way that they cut off his ability to have more children. In other words, what did Canaan do? What was that? that? Ham, again, Ham, Canaan. Rashi says Ham did it. Some say Canaan did it. Without getting into the details of it, what it means is as follows. And this is really the point, right? Remember, let me just get the point out, and then I'll get to you. It means... It means... That Canaan made it about himself. Noah wanted more children. And what did Canaan want, selfishly? He said, if you have more children, I get less. Because remember, the whole world was destroyed. So now they're dividing the world into three. You want me to divide the world into four? So he said, it's not about what you want, it's about what I want. And he attacked Noah, and now Noah wasn't able to have any more children. What's the consequence of that? If you're a selfish person, then you are cursed. You can't have abundant blessing in your life. Now let's go back. Who's the the progeny? Who's the offspring of Canaan? It's Eliezer Ever Avram. It's Eliezer Ever Avram. Eliezer says, I want my daughter to marry your son. Do you hear it? It's a little what? It's a little selfish. I want my daughter, mm-hmm. right? He was saying, like, he was making problems. What if the girl won't come back with me? But really, really, underneath that question, what was, what was, what was Eliezer being? A little bit he was being like Canaan. He was being selfish. Avram Avinu said, this shirach isn't going to work. Like your your no, he's saying not your ancestry, you. He's saying, Eliezer, by saying, what if she won't come back with me? He's really saying what? I want my daughter to do. I want my daughter to be your son-in-law, right? So it's not really about what what will be if I can't get her back. It was his, like, sort of selfish way of inserting him inside of this. So what does does Avraham Avinu say? Avraham Avinu says, listen, to be a Jew means to act selflessly. It means to give to others, which is a way of being an integrity person. So he says, we can't do this. But then something changes. Eliezer becomes what? The faithful servant of Avram Avinu. Because even though Eliezer really wanted that his own daughter should be married to Avram, what does he go do? Faithfully, what does he go do? He goes and he finds a wife for Yitzchak. So by the time he arrives at Lavan's house, who is Eliezer? He's no longer a selfish person. What is he? He's a man of integrity, following through on his word, giving to Avram Avinu what he said he would do. Girls, if you want the secret of having an awesome life, we just learned it. The secret of having an awesome life is be an integrity person. Don't make it about you. Make it about what you can give to another and be trustworthy. If you are trustworthy, you will have abundant blessings in your life. You know, I'm just going to finish with this, but you know those like, little silly like, fights in the dorms? You know, it's like, okay, we agree that this is going to be the temperature in the dorm, but then like, oh, I'm sorry, I just hit very close to home with at least one of you. Yeah, or two of you. Because one of you just did this. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm not saying if you know what I'm saying. Yeah? And then we agree, but, but like, then you like lower the temperature anyway, right? Or you, or you raise the temperature anyway. You're not acting with integrity because it's, it's, about, it's about you. It's not about what's good for everybody here. If you want to have in your life more blessings than you could possibly imagine, there's one very easy secret. Be an integrity person. And if you want to imagine the benefit of being an integrity person, just ask yourself this. Is there any midah? that's more attractive in a husband than marrying a man of integrity, right? If you have a list, right? You know how like, the girls make all the silly lists of the things I'm looking for? You've, you've seen this, right? Yeah. So, guy's no, guys don't think <laughs> enough to make the list, right? There's a guy like, I don't know if I like her, I like her, yeah? When you make your list, right, you're going to have all these real things on there, right? One of those things is going to be joy, Right? Is he a joyous person, right? Nobody wants to marry somebody who doesn't have joy in their life, right? You might have things on there like, um, does he have strong values, right? Is he he a person who like stands for something in his life? You know what's at the top of the list? Integrity. Integrity is at the top of the list, right? You want to be able to know that the man that you're with, he's someone who lives as he actually values. It's not like I have a value and then there's this distance between the value and the life. That makes sense? Such yeah, a profound message. You know, it's an interesting question. It's such a powerful question. I'll just say this. It seems to me that when we're around integrity people, we can intuit it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a guy in my neighborhood, I'm going to say his name. He's a Saddi- I shouldn't say his name. It's less and hard to say his name, even though I'm going to say an amazing thing about him. This guy, Evan, you could ask Rabbi Fold, both Rabbi, both Rabbi Folds, you could ask Rabbi Folds say, Rivberg said that Evan is a man of integrity, and I guarantee you that both Rabbi Folds will go like this. Oh yeah, Evan has tremendous integrity. When you're around people of integrity, it's just like, it's unbelievable. You'll get a sense of it. If you, if you see like the guy like, seems to be like sort of all over the place, you'll know he's not necessarily a man of integrity. Last question. About how is Abraham still able to... Someone that they he wasn't saying you're cursed like you're a bad person. He was saying, this is what you have to work on. He was saying that right now, I just saw from you, like you were asking the question, Ke'ilu like, but what if she doesn't come back with me? But you had a secret agenda in your heart. Right. And to be building Klai we can't have secret agendas. And Eliezer, being the good Talmud that he was, he was Makabal the Musser. He said, right, that's something I need to work on. Because I do come from Canaan, And I do have this spiritual sort of toxicity inside of me that needs to be worked out. And the way that he worked it out was by being an integrity person and living the mission of Avraham Avinu. Okay, girls, have a wonderful Shabbos.